It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by your host, me, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB. Have another great episode of 2019 NFL Draft content. That's right, we are just under a week away. It's already here. I, I cannot believe it. We are literally six days away. At this point in time that we are recording right now, we will be live in the middle of the second round of the NFL Draft next week. I cannot wait. It's going to be a fun draft class to watch. Very defensive heavy, we think. At least a lot of us think in the fantasy industry and NFL industry, really. I'm really not sure a lot of guys fantasy relevant will go in the first round, but it'll be fun to see what happens. You can obviously follow me, my co-host, at Culture underscore on Twitter, Dennis Bennett. We will be live tweeting stuff all night long, I'm sure, along with all of your other favorite fantasy analysts on different picks and everything. I will be, again, focusing mostly on if any of the offensive guys go, especially if some of my favorite players go. I will give you guys some instant reactions uh, on where they're going and how I feel about their landing spots. And again, follow all the guys. We have another great guest today who is definitely worth following. Uh, I'm sure he will be giving all kinds of wonderful takes on prospects of very smart uh, fantasy analysis. I'm excited to bring him on here and talk about the tight ends, and we'll bring him on here in just a second, but just wanted to give you guys a heads up, uh, a little bit of uh, future prep here for the shows we got coming up again as the NFL Draft is next week. Monday will be just me and Dennis. We'll go back to just the two of us here, which is, it's been a while, I think, since uh, it's just been the two of us on the pod. We've been bringing on just a a bunch of great guests over the past uh, month or so, so really excited. Uh, Just to get back, it'll be me and him. Uh, we'll just kind of be talking about just some of the last-minute minutiae on the prospects and everything. Guys that we we hope land in good spots that we're really high on, uh, where we think the best spots are for some of these guys as well. Uh, that'll be kind of what Monday's episode is focused on. Uh, and then you will not hear from us again until Friday night. Friday night, me and Dennis will be getting a get-together yet again. We will be giving you all of our thoughts on the first round, the second round, and hopefully the third round. We're, we're planning on uh, recording a little bit later than usual Friday so that we can get all of the second round and hopefully most of the third if not all of the third into that podcast uh, before we go ahead and it will be up nice and early for you guys Saturday morning so you guys can uh, you know listen to it as you're finishing watching your draft coverage or if you've got the honey-do list or whatever you've got going on on the weekend that you guys can listen to we'll be giving you guys all of our takes on those rounds uh, and then Monday after the draft we will have uh, another two special guests on with us and we will already start talking about mock drafts I know a lot of people literally start their mock drafts the like Tuesday or Wednesday after the NFL draft. Uh, so we'll give you guys kind of our quick thoughts on all of that. There'll be four of us. We'll be doing a, a couple different versions of mock drafts on there. I'm excited to bring these two gentlemen on. Uh, we've already had them on before uh, and I'm really excited to bring them on because we all kind of uh, very respectable, the other two gentlemen and Dennis as well. Me, not so much but that's okay. Uh, but those guys are really respected in the industry and uh, we all kind of have differing views on some of these players so I'm really interested uh, to get them 
come on and see how some of these mock drafts go. Again, we'll, I'm not not going to put a number on it because I'm not sure. A lot of it will depend on how many uh, and how quickly we can get through some of them. But we are going to go through a couple different styles and everything of fantasy football leagues and scoring and everything to give you guys an idea of how we would handle, especially with the now knowing the landing spots as well, where we would draft these guys. Um, and then we will probably get into talking a little bit more later that week. Same thing. Uh, and then possibly finish talking about some of the other guys that we have missed uh, the back half rounds four through seven and their landing spots and everything. Me and Dennis will kind of touch on those guys then. So guys, thank you so much again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you guys have time, give us a rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, then resubscribe, rate, and review. We'd really appreciate it. We love the love. And if you guys have any con- uh, constructive criticism as well, we love that as well. You know, we uh, we we would love to make this uh, podcast fun for everybody and we take everybody's opinions. We, we value them very much. So anything you guys think we could do better or you'd like to see us do more or do less, you could always reach out to me and Dennis. We will, we will converse with you and uh, don't take anything personally. So we appreciate any feedback you guys want to give us. With all that being said, let's bring on Dennis and our special guest. And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us today talking about some tight ends. Dennis, what's going on? How are you doing? Right on, right on. I am doing fantastic. It's rainy and cold here in Ohio, so I don't know what the hell is going on with the weather. Three days ago, I was in my shorts mowing the yard. But uh, today, I got to point out to my 13-year-old, this is why we mowed the yard on Wednesday when you would rather do something else. Yeah, yes, you know, nice little uh, life lesson there. And uh, as I talked about in the intro, we have another special guest joining us today, Mr. Sal Lito. You can follow him at Sal Lito FF on Twitter. He is the co-host of the Fantasy Football Funhouse podcast and a writer for Fanball and the Fantasy Life app. Sal, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, and uh, I kind of wish I took Dennis's um, advice and mowed my lawn two days ago because <laughs> it needs it, and it looks like rain for the next three days here in New York. So, damn it, here too. I'll post. I'll post next time, just as a reminder, so you get out there. Thank <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> All right, Sal, so uh, what we do with all our guests when we bring them on is uh, we just kind of like to have you talk a little bit about yourself, how you got into the fantasy business, how you became a fantasy analyst, how long you've been playing fantasy football, kind of give our podcasting audience a little insight into you. Yeah, so my podcast co-hosts generally tell me I ramble on too long, so I'll do the same thing to you guys. Um, I first came across fantasy football back way back in 1992 um, in the back of the New York Daily News. It was basically a fill-in-the-blank type of game, and you you you, know, you could have the same players as other people. You'd have to actually call an 800 number to make uh, you know replace players that may have been injured or, or weren't going to play that week. Uh, that was my introduction. And then I ran into a couple of older cousins of mine, about 10 years older than me, at a party that summer, or the following summer, and they told me that they had an actual league, a genuine fantasy football league. I didn't even know these things existed. They invited me. I came down. I was, uh, you know, very green. They were experienced. And uh, my very first draft pick ever was Dan Marino, <laughs> way back when. And that's how I got hooked instantly. I got hooked instantly. I, I joined another league. Way back then, I used to get friends to start leagues and help create those leagues, and then I'd move on. Once they were started, it was kind of like my little breeding ground. And I've just loved it uh, ever since, and I just never really thought about going into the business and stuff. I was working, I had a family, had a full-time job, and you brought up the Fantasy Life app in the intro, and I came across that app, and I'd always known Matthew Berry from way back in the day, and it was his app, and I jumped on there, and Decided to join a league called Falafel, a 16-team league with people from around the country that were knowledgeable fantasy guys, and it was a league, just a regular league. We started the chat room on the app, and what that chat room became was something unprecedented. 15,000 people at its maximum joined that chat. In the very first year of that chat, the uh, app creators told us, that we posted on average a better than a post a minute, 24 hours a day for 365 days a year. That's how active that group was. So we decided, ah, there might be something to this. And long story, long story short, it bred the podcast, the Falafel Podcast, which now began the Fantasy Football Funhouse. It led to us meeting people in the industry. Um, I, I'm so goddamn charming that it got me a spot <laughs> at uh, 
at Fanball with uh, thanks to my friend Scott Fish. And that's kind of like the story of how I got into it. Uh, very long winded. You can edit that out. Oh no, that's all right. Uh, trust me, as you'll you'll le- learn throughout uh, our little episode here today. Me and Dennis are both the same way. We tend to just keep talking and then realize that I probably should have just stopped with my really good point a couple minutes ago and just continued. So it's not an issue. Uh, everybody here is used to it. Uh, who is your favorite football team, and do you have a favorite NFL player? <laughs> my favorite football team living in New York is the Oakland Raiders. Somehow wow, I was okay. uh, brought up on the Raiders. I have an uncle and a brother who are both Raider fans. Uh, it's just been my team uh, ever since Marcus Allen ran for that touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Redskins. I was hooked. That was my favorite player growing up. Uh, current favorite player, uh, you know, I, I like so many p- different people. We're going to talk about tight ends tonight. So I'm a big tight end fan. I, I love Eric Ebron. I was one of the people that stuck with Eric Ooh. Ebron and uh, got paid got paid off last year. I don't know that he's my favorite player, but for if it pisses Dennis off, then yeah, he's my favorite. <laughs> well, I grew up a Detroit Lions fan, so I, I'm sure you can can well guess my feelings towards Eric Ebron. Well, let's get into that a little bit later, because um, <laughs> I'm going to bring up another Detroit Lion uh, tight end. And the fact that they just don't know how to use tight ends might be the problem, not the player. Well, that may be true, but, you know... He drops a little too many too, so. Well, you know, I think uh, I think Andrew Luck would disagree with you on that statement. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens this year with a healthy Doyle and a fresh dose of uh, Devin Funches. We got twice the drops now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you referenced and I talked about or just a couple minutes ago, we are talking about tight ends today. So we are going to break down our top 12 tight ends. Uh, we're going to continue uh, talking about the 2019 draft class as we has been. As We have been. Um, we are going to have Sal. We'll have you go first. You'll give us your number one, kind of anything you want to talk about with him, why he's your number one, what you like about him. Uh, then, obviously, Dennis will go to you, and then I will go last and uh, give you the reason why you should not listen to me on the tight end. So, Sal, go ahead and kick us off with your number one tight end of this 2019 draft class well i think it's easily uh hawkinson i i don't i think anybody who says anything different than that is just trying to be different um so if the 22 guys you try to be different cut it out um (laughs) i'll tell you what i like about this guy well he's well-rounded right he's the most well-rounded some people have said most well-rounded tight end to come out since vernon davis i've actually heard that um Basically, coming into 2018, Noah, Noah Fant came off of a monster season, and he was supposed to have an epic 2018. And Hawkinson said, hold my beer while I go and win the Mackey Award and every other tight end award that could possibly be given out uh, on the same team. So both equally impressive. I think it's close between the two of them. But for me, um, for NFL purposes, I think NFL teams will absolutely lean towards him and uh, for me in fantasy i think it's the safer play uh but if you want the could be amazing generational type of talent you might go with fant yeah i'm 100 percent on board with that uh hawkinson is my number one as well and really what differentiates it for me is of the two guys one of them is going to be on the field all the time and if you're on the field, you have the ability to make plays. I think Fant is, you know, he's shown he's more athletic, but th- is that going to translate to being on the field and getting more opportunities? I don't think so. I think Fant's going to be a, a very, very good tight end. I could see them, you know, becoming two of the next top three. So if, if they both, if they meet their, if they meet their expectations, uh, they're both going to be really, really good top-shelf tight ends. But Hawkinson is the one that's going to be out there getting more opportunities because he's not going to have to come off the field on first down when they're lining up and likely going to run the ball. But sometimes they throw, and so having that tight end out there is getting that opportunity. So uh, I'm on board with Hawkinson. Yeah, so I have been on um, font for – is he i just i wasn't even paying attention right there and uh i did i say it wrong again did i go font and fant it's font right <laughs> i call him fant but it's i believe it's fant see i always do that crap there we go again well we're, we're gonna start this all over i've had fant as my number one for a while as dennis can attest to 
The only reason I'm moving Hawkinson, Hawkinson to one for me is based on what you two were just saying, is he's by far the more well-rounded tight end. He, he can do everything. Fanta is not a very good blocker where TJ Hawkinson is, so that will likely lead him to being on the field all the time like Dennis was talking about, and that's why I think he's going to go higher than Fanta, and I do think that he's eventually going to get more looks than Fanta. I do think that Fanta is the more athletic tight end, and I do think... I really think that he's going to end up having the better career, but I just think if you're really going to go based on who looks the best right now for the full NFL game, you have to go Hawkinson. So I will keep him at one now, even though I do really want to put Fant there. Who is your two, Sal? Yeah, so then it obviously it's Fant at number two, and I think it's a, uh, a tier of two um, with these two guys. I think those are the two first-rounders. I don't think the three are going to go in the first round this year. I think... We'll get to Irv Smith, which is probably the next guy for me. I think he'll be a top end of the second round guy, but I just don't think he's – I think he's a notch below these two guys. Uh, so, so Fant, 17 total touchdowns in his final two seasons. Very, very impressive. Like we said, his issues are, are blocking. Uh, you know, I've seen different stories about character issues or off-field issues, but I, I never come across exactly – uh, what it was, and maybe one of you guys know what it was that uh, that got him tagged like that. But um, the kid has very impressive numbers uh, and ability, and he's gonna be a solid tight end one in a league. Maybe by year two, I uh, don't know if any of these guys. I think Hawkinson will come into play right away in year one. But as far as being a fantasy tight end one, it's always tricky with the rookies. So. But these two guys are in a tier on their own. Yeah, we, we've talked about, and just about everybody talks about how landing spot dependent this whole draft is yeah. when it comes to the fantasy rookies. So many of them are going to move around once they're drafted. If Fant goes somewhere where they're going to immediately slide him into that flex tight end position and they run a lot of two tight end, for, uh, two tight end sets, he may jump right out of the gun. He could, you know, I kind of see him as somewhere between uh, Devin Funches and Evan Ingram. He's a little bit bigger than the both of them, but he kind of mixes their their athletic ability and, and how they play. He's a little slower than Ingram, a little better athlete than Funches, um, and, and a little bigger than both of them. So, you know, if he can flex out, be a part-time blocker, you know, he, he could become the one that ends up being more fantasy relevant, but the tight ends, you know, they're typically slower to uh, reach their potential. But he's he's a, a phenomenal athlete, and he's gonna gonna be really he's gonna be really good. It's I'm looking forward to to watching him. I wouldn't be upset at all if he made it to 24, where the Raiders are picking for the second time in the first round. I don't know that he will, because there are a handful of teams that do need tight ends. But uh, that would be I'd be very happy with him on my team. Well, nobody's going to know because the Raiders sent all of their people home and won't let anybody <laughs> but Gruden and Mayock see the board now. So, <laughs> so sad that that create. Well, it, it's but all the teams do it. It's you know they end up with three or four people being involved in the final decision and seeing the final board. It it, be, it was such a artificial blow up in my opinion. I kind of chuckled watching it. All right, so Fant is my number two as well, uh, 6'4", 232 pounds, and uh, he's just a he's a physical freak. He is, we all saw what he did at the Combine. If anybody watched any of his games uh, for Iowa these past two years, he, he's been awesome. I do think that he's going to be a great size-speed mismatch on defenses, and that is, again, why I've, I've struggled between him and Hawkinson all this time because I could see Fant coming in there and them using him more as a wide receiver, possibly moving him into the slot like we saw Evan Ingram do just a couple years ago because he's not that good of a blocker as good as Hawkinson, which would allow him to be more fantasy relevant quicker than Hawkinson. So that's why I've kind of bounced back and forth between both of these guys. Um, but I, I love Fant. I would imagine both of these guys go in the top 15 picks in the NFL draft. I could be wrong. Um, do you guys think that they go either one of them falls past 15? Uh, I think it's possible that Fant could drop a little bit further. Okay. Uh, but it also would not surprise me. You have a, a slew of teams right there, starting with Buffalo and uh, and Green Bay and Denver. I, I don't know that Denver's going to go for a tight end with that pick, but there, you got a bunch of teams right in that area starting around. Even even Detroit, I know they signed Jesse James. Eight 
nine Bills, ten Broncos. I mean, even a Bengals who could re- who'd either replace Eifert, who's back on a bad leg, than the Packers. Uh, you know, it, it's possible that both of them could go in that range. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go before. You know, I could see Tennessee at 19 taking one if they fall there, Seattle at 21. So uh, if he if he keeps falling, somebody's going to go there and yeah. grab him, I think. Uh, he's just – he's going to be too good. NFL gets really enamored with uh, athletic profile, and, and he's got one of those. Agreed. Now, this is where I think it's going to be interesting because I'm interested to see if anybody goes off. I know I will. I'm not, I guarantee my three is not going to be the same as your guys, I would think. So who do you have at three, Sal? So, again, I have a, like a, another, a next tier of, of tight ends, and it's another two-player tier. Okay. And the two players in that tier are Irv Smith, who's typically talked about as the number three, and Jay Sternberger is the other guy who I have there. And I, I think Sternberger could possibly – end up being the better tight end in the NFL. Here's my thing with Irv Smith. So Irv Smith, obviously, um, when I saw that his father was drafted in 1993 and I graduated high school in 1992, I realized I'm getting really frigging old. Um, he had a nice 2018, right? 44 receptions, uh, 710 yards, seven touchdowns. He's a good athlete. He does need work on his blocking. He does need work on his route uh, running. He needs improvement there. I wonder with him, when watching the games, uh, and watching highlights, how wide open he was so much did he benefit from having a great wide receiver core and other weapons on that team that allowed him to get that wide open. One thing he does have the ability to do is take the ball the distance when he catches it. He had multiple long touchdowns, 60-plus, 70-plus. He's a good athlete. But I think he's widely going to be considered the number three uh, Sternberger, I'll, I'll just bring him up now too. He he put up ten touchdowns. I like tight ends that score touchdowns. Who doesn't, right? This guy's got good family genes. Had a mother who was a college basketball player, father who was a college football player. Another guy who needs work on blocking. I think outside of Hawkinson and some other guys that are going to go late. Most of these guys we're going to talk about now in this mid-range area are all going to be guys that need work on their blocking. But yeah. uh, he he plays like a big wide receiver. He's he's considered undersized for the position, um, so you know I, I seen him. I like the way he works down the middle of the field. I just seen good things out of him. And in my opinion, if I could get him a little bit cheaper fantasy wise value than I can Irv Smith, I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I I have Smith at three as well for many of the same reasons. I see the comp with Aaron Hernandez, and so that makes me feel like maybe the Maybe he's not quite as good a blocker. Now, he doesn't quite have the burst and agility of the top two, but he's a really good pass catcher, really good runner. And like you said, if he gets the ball out there, he can get up and get down the field. Um, at only six, two and a half, uh, you know, he's not going to overpower defensive ends uh, when he has to block. He, he has the willingness to be good, and he's got the pedigree. And... For whatever it's worth, sometimes that matters when it comes to opportunity. So, Sal, you did touch on my number three. I actually have Sternberger ahead of Irv Smith in my rankings. Uh, I'm right there with you. I love a guy who can score touchdowns. Again, as you touched on, 10 touchdowns last year, 832 yards on 48 catches. I think he not only has a chance to be, I think he is going to be better than Irv Smith at the next level. I think we've all kind of got infatuated with Irv Smith uh, just due to what he did at Alabama. Everybody wants to talk about how good of an athlete he is. Not just the combine, which he, I felt like he kind of let everybody down a little bit. Um, but I do think that uh, Sternberger, just from what I saw on him, when I, what I've watched of him, uh, he's going to be a much better tight end than Irv Smith. You know, I agree with you. He does need to improve on his blocking, obviously. Um, but I think he, he's very smooth, soft hands, good concentration skills, um, but does need to work on his blocking. Uh, and since you kind of mixed or put him and Irv Smith together, Irv Smith is my number four um, on everything you guys just touched on. There's not really anything I need to add to him. I do like him. I just think Jay Sternberg is going to end up being better. And, again, another thing you said, Sal, I do think you'll be able to get him a lot cheaper in rookie drafts, too. You can probably get him in the, the middle to the back end of the second round of rookie drafts, where I think it, everybody else is kind of putting it as Hawkinson, Fant, and Irv Smith. So those three guys likely are going to go high end, 
or I, I would imagine the first two will probably go in the first round. Maybe Fant falls into the second round. Uh, but I would imagine all three of those guys are going to go before uh, Sternberger does in almost every single rookie draft. You know, an interesting spot. So if the Raiders with their three first three picks don't take a tight end, Irv Smith at 37 makes a really nice consolation prize at that position for them. Yeah, like I said, I could see him going at the at the top end of the second round. So that does make sense. But um, I wouldn't hate it if they if they got Sternberger. I really wouldn't. I think that uh, Matt and I are definitely in agreement. Yeah, I I, I actually don't have Sternberger at four. I've got Foster Moreau Ooh. at four. Wow. Okay. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Uh, Moreau, he he's again. He's one of the guys that's going to be on the field. So he's a very good blocker. He's strong, and he's very good at a bunch of th- stuff tight ends need to do. He's not really special at any one thing, but he's really good at a lot of things. And so that me- that will give him an opportunity to be out on the field. He's going to be a good red zone threat. Part of the challenge he's going to have to overcome is coming from that LSU offense, only catching 22 passes uh, his last each of the last two seasons or right around 22. So he didn't have an, an opportunity to do a lot of, to show off a lot of his skills there. Um, before Joe Burrow got to LSU last year, they didn't, they weren't, LSU was terrible at throwing the ball. Moreau's going to, I like Moreau as a, more of a total package than Sternberger. So I, I, I'm going to go with my five, which is Sternberger. And part of the reason that I have him, you know, he's good with the ball in his hands, Um, and he's a pretty good athlete, but he's kind of a sloppy route runner and he doesn't block really well. So he's really going to have to tighten that stuff up if he wants to get on the field. You know, I can see Sternberger being perceived like Mark Andrews was by Baltimore. You know, they took Hayden Hurst because they felt like Hurst was the better all around tight end, even though Andrews was probably the better scoring tight end. So I can see Sternberger falling into that kind of thing and ending up being somebody that when he's out on the field, he's you know he's one of the hot reads. He's probably not going to do much blocking. Yeah, I think you're going to be disappointed when you find out that uh, Moreau doesn't even make it into my top eight. Wow, okay. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I don't, have him in uh, my, I don't have him in my top 12, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, once we get into the ne- my next tier, I have a group of guys um, – that I feel are all raw but could be phenomenal NFL players. And then I have a group of guys mixed master after them that uh, some people might like a little bit more than me, and I don't. But uh, I, I like this next group of guys that I'm going to talk about. Yeah, we talked about it on the last show with this. There's a stretch of wide receivers in the second round. that It's like a deck of cards. You just kind of shuffle them and deal them out, and however they come out, there's not a lot of difference from the beginning to the end of it. Yeah, I think for me, my next, uh, my, my probably five through nine, I could do that with right now. The, those, those four guys, I really could flip flop any which way. I think landing spot could really change where any of these guys end up in my rankings. But, uh, since you already talked about your top four, Sal, who do you have at five? Number five for me, the guy who I, I would personally have Kahale wearing as the next guy up, but I don't think he's going to be the next wide, I'm sorry, tight end taken. I think I think Caden Smith from Stanford is a guy who just you know a lot of these schools want to label themselves tight end U right I mean Miami used to be obviously Iowa's putting out guys like Kittle and the two guys coming out this year but Stanford has that history uh, Hooper recently and Ertz Toyololo Fleener listen he can block he has very good blocking skills he catches the ball in traffic and. He is great through the hit. More more often than not, watching this guy catch a ball and get hit and just never wavers, never bobbles, never looks like he's unsure about himself. I think he's a solid all-around tight end. But Kahele uh, wearing to me out of San Diego State is such a raw, undeveloped athlete who just is impressive as hell. This guy only played football starting in his senior year in high school. But he has a background as a water polo goalie, a basketball player, a cross-country runner, a swimmer, a soccer player, and tennis. Those are some of the most grueling sports where you need to have endurance and athleticism. 
I don't know if either one of you have ever played legitimate water polo, but I played, I was a, a college soccer player, and when we were rained out or rained out of practice, we would play water polo. The athleticism you need to stay afloat in that water and then actually have strength behind making plays and power and to be a goalie and to react. Like, you have nothing to push off push off of like if you're a soccer goalie nothing to push off off of to make that hand save and those type of quick movements and that type of athleticism i cannot wait to see this kid and i don't think he'll be anything to write home about for the first two years i'm thinking third to fourth year in the nfl this is my guy who i want in this year's rookie draft because i'm not going to spend a lot of money on him all right for me uh mine is caden smith as you were just talking about with uh just talking about uh, so he's 6'5", 252, I believe. Uh, only two touchdowns last year. He did score five in 2017. Uh, 635 yards on 47 catches last year. Um, I do think, again, same thing. He struggles with blocking. Uh, not really a good route runner either. Uh, just from what I saw, it looks like at times uh, he could not separate on man coverage. He, he seemed to struggle with that, but I do think he's obviously very good at catching the ball. Um, I do, you know, he's an, I guess an adequate blocker would be the way I put it. I don't think he's as bad as some of the other guys in this class. Um, but I, I do think he's one of those guys who's going to, I think he's going to find it hard to separate himself from others in this class. Uh, he is my number five out of Stanford in case I forgot to mention that. Um, was he your five? And then, um, oh God, don't make me butcher his name. Kahale. It's Kahale Waring. Gotcha. Kahale Waring. Is he your six or is it flipped? I wrote that down phonetically for myself too. Don't worry about it. So (laughs) um, I think if you want the the more instant impact guy, Mm -hmm. it's it's Caden Smith. If you want the guy I feel will have the better long-term career and has the chance to really be a mid-round stud, I think it's Kahale. So I would say for this year's rookie draft, I would imagine you go Smith first and then then wearing. Okay, Dennis at number six, I have uh, Caleb Wilson at UCL out of UCLA. He's one of those guys. He, he's tall, fast, uh, ran a four five six. Um, he's not quick, but he's got pretty good build up speed. Needs to really work on his strength, so he's going to have to use his speed to be able to get open when he goes against linebackers uh, or or safeties. Um, and at least until he can build up his strength, he's not going to get a lot of, uh, he's going to be, he's going to definitely be that second tight end that comes in on passing downs. He's not going to be out there, uh, doing, uh, the dirty work and getting, uh, additional opportunities because of his blocking, but he's a pretty, he's a good athlete, uh, put up some numbers. He was Josh Rosen's. I think he was one of Josh Rosen's, uh, favorite targets a couple of years ago. So. That's where yeah. I, who I have there at six. You guys ever come across a player that there's something about him that bugs you, and there's something about him you don't like? It's Caleb Wilson for me for some reason. I understand his numbers were fantastic. Um, he had really good numbers. I think the tallness, the, the long legs. I don't like those long legs. It's almost it almost looks gangly and truck like when he's when he's running. And I, I I might be completely wrong, but there's something for me that I just can't get over with with Caleb Wilson. He's going to end up being in my 9 to 12 tier when we get to that area. Um, I have another two guys in this area with Smith and, and Waring. But that's for me. I, and I think I might be in the minority with those feelings, but he is probably the player I've seen more all over the place on people's draft day rankings than any other tight end. I've seen people have him at four. I've had seen, I've seen people have him outside the top 10. So I don't know. I can't get over something. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm actually like right in the middle of you two. If you're going to have him closer to your 9 to 12 range, I actually have him at 7. He's right behind. Uh, and again, here we go with me being really bad at names. Is it Elise Mack? I don't know how to say his first name. Out of uh, yeah, Notre it's Dame? Not, it's definitely not Alize. Alize, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I call him Elise. We'll, we'll go with Elise because that sounds cooler. Elise Mag. Now, nah, I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry, guys. I really don't know how to say it. But uh, uh, 6'5", 247. Uh, he's my number six. Uh, didn't do a whole lot, obviously, last year. Just 360 yards on 36 catches with three touchdowns. Uh, he did sit out his sophomore year, I believe it was. Yes, yeah, sophomore season. Uh, due to academics, he was also battled some injuries in his junior year. Uh, was suspended for the Citrus Bowl due to violation of team rules. 
Uh, he has slowly kind of gotten better and better. Obviously, again, with sitting out as much as he has in college, you kind of stunt your growth a little bit. Uh, but I like his... I like his development as a route runner. I think he can be a starting level tight end. Uh, don't think he's going to be a very dominant blocker, but he looks like he has some natural strength and a good runner. Uh, good, good. I say catcher of the ball has good hands and can catch the ball. I'm interested to see where he falls because I think that might drop him down my board some. But I really like this kid. I really like his skills. He was actually higher up for me earlier on in the process. I think I had him up at four. Uh, I've dropped him down to six right now. Who is your seven, Sal? My next player is going to be Josh Oliver out of San Jose State. Um, this is another guy who's fairly new to the position. You know, he was recruited at high school as a an outside uh, rushing linebacker, and because of injuries when he was a freshman, he actually got on the field as a tight end. And he played all four years, so he got to learn a position four years in college. He he was heavily targeted last year. He drew a ton of coverage. And he proved that he could work well in traffic because a lot of times the coverage was shifted to his side of the field. I think that he didn't have fantastic quarterback play and it helped him to develop quick hands and the ability to make catches on bad passes. I like the kid. I like his athleticism. Another player I think will, uh, he's a second to third year development type of guy if he's going to break, but I like the prospect of, uh, of what he can be. I, I have Oliver at seven as well. You know, I'll see my notes, good speed, big wingspan, uh, good blocker. And that comes, you talked about him playing all four years. So he, he's had time to learn the position and he's been used at H back as well. So he's got some position versatility. So when he does develop, when he gets that and when he gets the NFL body ready and kind of grows into everything, he's going to be able to to be out on the field all of the plays. He won't have to specialize. Good speed at 4.63. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, you guys are probably going to, you talked about Caden Smith. He didn't even make my top 12. Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, my number seven, uh, we just touched on a minute ago, is Caleb Wilson. Uh, I don't really have much more to add to him. Uh, again, he had a really great year last year, though. Uh, in 2018, the 60 catches for 965 yards, four touchdowns. Actually had a rushing attempt for four yards as well. So interested in him. I like uh, pretty much everything Dennis said about him. Uh, and my number eight is actually Josh Oliver. So I'm right there kind of in lockstep with you guys on, on at least those two, or at least me and Dennis are uh, right there for my seven and eight so who do you have at eight sal i have dawson knox now dawson knox was a guy who he impressed me at the combine he just kept popping out to me at the combine i really didn't know a whole lot about him uh before that but every time i saw him do something he did it well he's he's well-rounded um but he's also new to the position he was a he was a high school quarterback who got injured barely played his senior year so he was a walk-on at old miss and he got no touchdowns in 2018, so that scares me, right? Because I'm a touchdown guy, as I mentioned earlier. But watching what he did and watching his athleticism, I'd rather take a chance on this guy around eight than some of these other guys that I saw. Because again, at the eight spot, you're not. It's not a lot of high draft capital for a guy like that. He he works out in the middle of the field uh, more than he does in close. Um, you know, I, I go back and watch his, his combine film. Not a lot of people like combine work. I'm funny about it. If it works for uh, my narrative, I do like it. If it doesn't, I don't. So um, I just like this kid. I think he's got real potential. At eight, I, I have Mac. You know, you talked about good size, good athlete. Uh, he can flex out. You know, there, there are some of the players coming into the NFL this year, some skill position players that had to deal with some terrible, terrible quarterback play the last year or two. You know, a lot of the Ole Miss guys, uh, anybody from Notre Dame, Anthony Johnson at Buffalo, you know, it's it's a – some of these guys, it's a wonder they had any catchable passes. Um, and so I like Mac. He's He can flex out, and if he can tighten up his route running, he's going to be able to, to make some plays and, and get on the field and use that size. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, Max, someone that I really like. Again, I already touched on my eight was Josh Oliver. So who do you have at nine, Sal? Yeah, so now we're into my next tier, right? So those four guys, I could all uh, kind of mix mash together. My nine through 12, I really have more than 12, I guess, here because they all – I would put Caleb Wilson as my nine, right? Because he is 
it's the tape is there. The film is there. What he can do, he is athletic. It's there, and he also has a, a you know family pedigree of uh, coming from athletes and, and football players. So his father's a coach in the NFL. If I'm not, is that correct? Is he the one whose father's a coach in yes. the NFL? So he's going to be my nine. And then the rest of the guys, I think Drew Sample is a guy that could be interesting. Drew Sample, uh, Pro Football Focus has him like the like the highest rated better than Hawkinson. Wow, really? <laughs> it's it's crazy. I don't think he has the receiving skills, but he has um, really high ratings when it comes to blocking. So I think Wilson and then Sample and then, you know, rounding out my guys here, you got Dax Raymond, you got Mac, who you guys have mentioned. I have Morneau in this area and, and a kid Sweeney out of BC. Uh, Notre Dame and BC, those are schools that say tight end players to me. So that's why those guys make it in this area for me. Dennis, how does your top, or the rest of your 12 uh, fill out? Well, I have Dawson Knox at nine. You know, Sal talked about him being a good athlete. Uh, he played quarterback uh, initially, so he doesn't doesn't block well yet. He's got to really work on his blocking, and he had some concentration drops. Uh, came in with uh, Kahali wearing at uh, ten, Raymond at eleven, and then Sweeney at twelve. Uh, I kind of like him for all of the. You know, these are guys that you're going to bring in and. They're going to take the three years to get an opportunity, I think. They're going to have to play special teams, be that third tight end, then that second tight end. And hopefully they, when they get out there and they show what they're capable of, they're going to continue to get opportunities. If tight end is anything like it was uh, this year, past year, uh, for fantasy going forward, everybody should be getting plenty of opportunity these next few years. For my nine is uh, Khalil Waring is my nine. Uh, Ten I have as Dawson Knox. And eleven I have as Dax Raymond. And then twelve I have as... uh, Ten is... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Twelve is Foster Moreau. I didn't think I had him in there. So I do actually have him in there, Dennis. So we're... Yeah. Teammates. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, I don't remember you had him up there pretty high, but I have him on there as 12. So those are kind of how our tight end rankings shake out. Now I'd imagine, real quick before we get into some of the questions about this class, uh, how many of those guys in your top 12, like where would you cut it off you think landing spot is really going to affect where they would move in your rankings? Uh, we'll start with Sal, and then we'll go to Dennis. Yeah, I think the, the top four guys um, are probably landing spot proof. And then after that, it's going to be about where they land, how they're going to be used, who's going to work with them. So for me, Hawkinson, Fant, Irv Smith, and Sternberg are all guys I think that could be effective wherever they go. And the rest of the guys are kind of works in progress and, and position-needed type of guys. So that's where I'm at, four. I'm going to go with three. Um, you know, I have Moreau at four, and I definitely think he he's going to need – some work so the landing spot for him is is going to be uh important for him to get an opportunity you know if he lands somewhere like kansas city he's not going to get an opportunity but i think uh hawkinson fant and smith they're going to come in they're getting drafted with the expectation that they're going to see the field yeah i think for me it's it's for uh i've got obviously hawkinson fant Sternberger and Smith, and I think all four of those guys, no matter where they go, I have uh, faith that they'll end up being tight ends worthy in fantasy, especially with as bad as the tight end position has been the past couple years for fantasy, as we've talked about many times on this podcast now. So I have no fear where those four land, uh, but the rest of them, I think, after those four landing spot is going to be key for a couple of those guys. So, Sal, if you had to stake your entire reputation on one player in these top twelve in your top twelve rankings being a Pro Bowler for years to come, who would it be? One guy for the entire top twelve. Yeah, one guy in oh, your entire like, top twelve. I think it's too easy to say Hawkinson, right? It's it's too easy to say. Um, we should probably take him out. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> how about we take out Hawkinson think, and Fan? We'll take both of those guys out. So the guy after that that I think could be. Um, I'm going to say either Caden Smith or possibly, possibly Drew Sample, just based on the well-roundedness of their games, Caden Smith, a little bit less, but where he, he is more positive uh, on his blocking side than his receiving side. For me, I feel 
So I think he'll be on the field more, as Dennis pointed out earlier. So I think for NFL football, Pro Bowl players, I think those two guys grade out as, as successful NFL players more than fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, aside from the, the obvious guys, I would say Caden Smith and Drew Sample. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the guy you guys have in your top four, which is Sternberger. You know, I, I definitely feel like he, he has some warts to his game, um, but I feel like his draft capital is going to give him more chances than some of these other guys behind him. If I had to pick, you know, I'm going to actually throw Smith out of my pool as well and go with, uh, because I feel like he's probably uh, an odds-on guy, uh, unless one of you pick him as your bust. Um, but I think Sternberger is somebody that should be able to, within a couple years, uh, work his way into, uh, you know, a Kyle Rudolph plus maybe, somebody that's considered to be, Definitely a back-end tight end one for fantasy purposes. Yeah, um, Sternberger was going to be my choice as well. I actually kind of comp him to Travis Kelsey. I don't know if that's a little bit too outlandish. Uh, I just feel like those two kind of play fairly similar games. Thoughts? Uh, Yeah, I think it's hard to comp anybody to the best tight end of the game, but I understand the skill set and what you're saying and how they play similar. I I don't hate the comp. I mean, I think David Njoku is the best tight end in the game, but I guess I could be wrong on that. That might be well, I'm a little I'm little an Njoku fan. But, maybe, uh, maybe my Browns bias is getting in the way a little bit on that one. That and, uh, that and the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, that's good weed. That is good weed. That is good weed. Um, so yeah, Sternberger was mine uh, as well. Uh, who do you think uh, is? I'll just go first on this one. The the biggest bust, so Dennis can't steal my guy again, uh, is going to be actually Caden Smith. I, I do worry a little bit about him. I think he could end up just becoming a red zone threat, which may not be a bad thing. That seemed to work out fairly well for Eric Ebron this year, uh, this past year. So my maybe, man, yeah, maybe he can do the same thing. Uh, but I do think he's going to. Uh, He's going to lack a little bit in between uh, in between the twenties. I think during, I don't think he's going to get a lot of catches and a lot of receiving yards. I do think in the end he's going to end up being limited to a red zone threat. Who is your your possible bust for this class, Sal? I think it's obviously Caleb Wilson for me, based on what I said said earlier. Um, he, he brought he has comes in with the the pedigree and and really good numbers, and there's something about him that just doesn't sit right with me. So. Uh, he's going to be my both my bust and my most overrated tight end in this class. So, so based on your analysis, there does that mean you're not a fan of Wes Hills, the running back, either? Well, I, I, I would be lying to you if I told you I've done a lot of research. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, he's he's like he's 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 like six foot tall and like five foot of it is legs. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> the, uh, I like a proportion uh, NFL player. He, he just looks out of proportion when he runs, but. So the the bust for me um, is Caden Smith. You know, you guys keep kind of dancing around why why he could bust, and it's because he runs like an offensive lineman. Look out! I've got cat-like speed and reflexes. So he's he's he runs like Jason Witten now, not Jason Witten when he entered the league. What's he going to be after he takes a few beatings in the NFL? So. You know, may, maybe he can pull off that five-yard, you know, career five-yard passes like Witten, but he he's just not very athletic and he's not very fast. And he, you know, he yeah, he comes from Stanford, which puts a whole bunch of tight ends in the NFL. He's just not. I, I just don't think he's he's that good. So you're saying he's going to land in Dallas and be mentored yeah. by Witten? Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Witten's always been slow. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm only remembering the back end of his career, but I don't think he's ever been that fast. All right, runs like a truck. Runs like a truck. <laughs> All right, well, since Sal touched on his uh, overrated tight end also being the same as his bust, Dennis, who is your most overrated tight end? Well, uh, I, I'm going to go with, with Caden Smith. Witten ran a 4-7 coming out of college. Oh, okay. I think Smith is just be, because he's got that Stanford cachet. Uh, he's riding the coattails of the Kobe Fleeners and and uh, those guys that have come before him. Uh, I think he's just going to be a disappointment. Okay, uh, I don't disagree with you on that. Who is your most underrated tight end of this class, Sal? I don't want to say Caden Smith because you guys beat him down, but it wasn't going to be my choice. <laughs> it wasn't going to be my choice anyway. I think it goes back you to do where you, Sal. You no. do you. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I think. 
The one thing I'll say, Sal, is uh, I've been constantly proved wrong on my own podcast. So please, if you need to disagree with me, go ahead. You're probably making the right call, actually. No, my guy, my guy is, is uh, Kahali wearing because he because he is such a raw player, but but he's got such potential. So I think he, uh, I think you guys had him uh, ten or lower. Yes, and I and I hope that that's where he goes in rookie drafts because that means I'm going to pay nothing for him and uh, and I'm going to grab him all day. He's got uh, it's just great athleticism. His basketball background shows and his leaping ability and his ability to make adjustments while in the air. This is another guy who always appeared to be in a crowd, but always came away with the ball. They targeted him a ton on third downs, and majority of the time, he picked up first down. So he's he hasn't been playing a position that long. He's raw, but this guy to me, this is the guy who I think we can look back in four or five years to just be like, wow, what a steal. Don't choose my guy, Dennis. Don't do it. I'm not. I'm going to go completely off my top twelve okay, because cool. there's right. a there's there's a tight end out there that I absolutely love that I hope gets an, a chance. I I think he's underrated. He's a small school guy, but he did what you need to do when you're a small school guy. He absolutely dominated last year from the tight end position, and that's Donald Parham out of Stetson, six foot eight, two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, he caught a, I think he caught 106 passes for 1,400 or 1,500 yards last year. Uh, he, he averaged 105 yards a game. He reminded, when I watched him on film, he reminded me of, uh, and you might know who this guy is, Sal, being that we're similarly aged. You're a little younger than me. Uh, he reminded me of Harold Carmichael. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, it was a little before my time, but yeah, a little bit. But I know him. Yeah, I mean, he's just big. He he didn't run as well as I would have hoped. He was a four six eight, but I mean, he has the ability to be a mismatch and a difference maker. He went to a small school. He's going to be raw coming out. But if you can redshirt him and give him some time, maybe put on another 10 pounds without losing any speed, he, he could end up being just a complete mismatch for, for everybody. I'll definitely have to look further into him. Uh, up until now, Stetson was a clone that my father wore. I didn't even know it was a college. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I wore it too, so. Time to musk up. Never ceases to amaze me. It's quite pungent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's a formidable scent. <laughs> Stings the nostrils. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so for me, mine is a, a Lee's or a Lee Mac from Notre Dame. Again, I, I talked about how much I liked him. Obviously, I have him right up there at number five. He's someone that I think is not getting talked about enough uh, when it comes to fantasy or NFL. Again, he, he's going to need much like uh, Dennis was just mentioning with uh, goodness uh, the gentleman from Stenson I already forgot uh, Par- Parnum. Donald Parham. Parham. There we go. Uh, he, uh, I do think he's going to need time. He's not someone who's going to go out there and produce this year. I-, I think he's at best two, three years down the road going to be a very good tight end but he's someone that I have high hopes for just based on the little bit of that I've seen of him uh, in his junior year there with Notre Dame. If, and I'm going to I'm gonna try and word this question the best that I can. Hopefully you guys can understand what I'm trying to ask you here. So, assuming that all of your top tight ends land in a great spot for them in the NFL draft this year, you know, Hawkinson, Font, Smith, Sternberger, Parnum, whoever else you guys, I, I, all the guys that we talked about, say they land in a perfect spot for them to produce with next year, next coming years, for dynasty rankings – how many of those guys would you put in your top 12 starting as soon as you put your rankings out? So most people, I would say, probably start putting their stuff out early August as we're getting ready for our pre-draft or our redraft leagues and then any dynasty startups that are then going on at that point. How many of those guys do you think would make it into your top 12 tight end rankings? For me, it would probably only be um, Hawkinson. Um, I think you have – you really have six very good. Yeah. It's probably like five, but you like a joker, so I'll say six. Um, then you got Hunter Henry. You got to see if he comes back and how he comes back. It's it's seven, and and then is Ebron for real? Is he a fourteen touchdown guy? Probably not. 
But if he could get anywhere near double digits. But then I could see Hawkinson fitting in right around there because you get to guys like Burton, um, Hooper, Rudolph, McDonald. So, yeah, but he's the only guy. I think that Fant will be okay, but I don't know that I'm ready to put him as a top 12 fantasy tight end year one. Okay. My initial reaction was one, and as I, I look here at the fantasy pros tight ends and how they finished last year, I might. You know, Fant might make number 12, but he's probably going to be closer to 14 or 15. So I think I'm going to go go with just just the one. I think Hawkinson, you know, he might make might slide into the top 10 there, um, but just one in the top 12. Okay, yeah, see, I, I have two. I had Hawkinson and Fant, so I thought I think both of them could end up being top 12. Again, I just think it's because of how bad the tight end position is. I mean, I do actually think Eric Ebron will bounce back. Uh, you know, I joke about Njoku. I, I don't think he's even – I'd say he's probably a top 12 tight end, maybe, but I think even saying that is borderline, uh, especially now with all the weapons they have around him. I think that's actually going to end up hurting him a little bit more uh, in the end anyways. Uh, looking at, let's talk a little bit of NFL draft here before we, we get out of here. Over under on tight ends drafted, you think, in the first round? I'm going to put it at 3.5. Sal, over or under? Yeah, I think it's under. I, I mentioned earlier in the show, I think the two Iowa guys go in the first round, and then you have some early and mid-second rounders. Yeah, I, I'm at two as well. I, I I think if you put it at two and 2.5, I'd still take the under. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the under, but that's only because I actually do. No, I'm going to take the over, actually. I do think four are going to go. I, I do think that Irv Smith and I think Jay Sternberger is going to sneak into the back round of the back end of the first round. Uh, you know, I don't. I know it's just a lot of draft talk, but uh, and the New England Patriots always seem to trade out of their pick. But I would not be surprised if someone, if one of those guys falls all the way down to them and they end up taking him in the first round, either Sternberger or Smith. Uh, how many tight ends? So, hey, hey, Matt. Yeah. So then, are you are you then projecting Smith to go say at thirty to Green Bay? No, and I then New England have, to take Sternberger. Uh, I actually have it flipped on the the mock that I did for the back row show. I actually have Sternberger going to the Green Bay Packers and Smith going to the Patriots, just based again oh, okay. on my rankings because I have Sternberger higher than him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Which I also think would be just a phenomenal landing spot for Sternberger as well. So that, again, might be a little bit of my bias and hope that that would happen because I think that would be a phenomenal place for him to land. All right, so I kind of feel like we've already answered this question a couple times, but I just want to make sure right before we close it out so all of the listeners can get a really good idea. I'll give my answer first. Uh, how many tight end ones do you think there are in this class? Again, for me, it's four. It's It's been those top four the whole time. Hawkinson, Fant, Sternberger, and Smith. Sal. You mean career? For the course of their career? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Your, your thoughts right now. I mean, obviously, we're, we're not going to hold you to it if four years down the road yeah. some of these other guys you talked about I know you think could break out. Just kind of your thoughts on right now who you think could be a tight end one. Yeah, I think at most it's the four. And you and I have the same top four, so it's those same guys. Um, at at most, if you really go back and look at the, the history of tight ends, um, yeah, I think I saw somewhere today, I think Andy Singleton said 13.8 tight ends have been actually drafted over the last five years. So to get more than four tight end ones out of that, probably – unlikely but you know there's some interesting raw guys in here but I'll, I'll go with four my initial thought was was higher than that because i and i thought well how many of these guys do i think could have a tight end one season because that's how i heard the question so if if this top 12 if they all play out their first contract of four years and half of them sign extensions you know, could five or six of them put up a, I mean, if you have another year like we had this year, which I don't think is all that uncommon to, so that eight through 12 or eight through 14 stretch of tight ends could be any number of guys in there. I, I'm going to say five. I talked myself into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we close out the episode here, I do want to ask you guys about two guys. Um, just your quick opinions on them real quick. Uh, I've, there's guys that I've seen kind of ranked all over the place. Both these guys I've seen in other uh, other analysts' top tens. Uh, neither one of us had them in their top 12 unless I missed it, which is possible because, as I touched on, my son does like to come uh, – 
try and talk to me while I'm doing this, so at times I do have to take my headphones off. But uh, Isaac Nuwata out of Georgia and C.J. Conrad out of Kentucky. I didn't have them in my top 12. I don't believe either one of you did either. Do you guys have any thoughts on either one of these guys? As I do see a lot of these, these guys in a lot of other analysts' top 10 and 12 rankings. Yeah, neither one of them are guys that I have um, done a lot of research into. Like They didn't jump off the page to me personally, so I didn't put a lot of extra time into them. Uh, there are people that get paid a lot more than me to do it, so <laughs> maybe you could check out th- what they have to say about that. But no, neither one of them are guys that uh, that really jumped out to me. Yeah, I mean they're 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 just jags. Uh, okay. Nuada flashed a couple plays, but honestly, the 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 measurables and the athleticism didn't match what you see on tape. So you know he could he could be an outlier in that regard where. You know, he just plays so much faster than he times. I, I, I don't know. It, it, they didn't, neither one of them really registered. Okay. I, I have them on my list, but I didn't do a whole lot of work on them because there was nothing about what I was seeing that said, put more time into this dude. Last question for Sal here until, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. You're on the clock. No, not even you. Oakland Raiders are on the clock early, whatever it is, they're picking the second round. Jay Sternberger and Khalil Waring are both there. Who you hope the Oakland Raiders are taking? <laughs> it's pretty easy, I think. Okay. I'm taking. I'm taking Sterling. I, I didn't know. I, I don't know. You were, you were going on and on about Warring, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I could. I could swing you either way. Okay. What about it in your rookie draft? It's the fourth round, and somehow both have fallen. Is it still Sternberger? I think you have to take Sternberger there because okay. he's just such a better prospect. Gotcha. Off the top, I mean, uh, what I like about Waring is he has this possibility to be phenomenal right mm-hmm. which any player coming out does we don't know what these guys are going to be but um just to touch real quick on and i hate to make the show go even longer no, you're good. uh dennis dennis is an ohio state fan he knows that i know jeremy ruckert since he since he's six years old i was jeremy ruckert's soccer coach when he was younger and i used to run this kid through drills at nine seven eight nine years old that he was a man at at, at that age and and Having that well-rounded background that Jeremy has, I watched him play basketball. I watched him play baseball. I coached him play soccer. He does everything really, really well. So a guy like Waring, who has that well-rounded background and that crazy raw athletic skill, those are special athletes that could become amazing football players. Sternberger has it right now, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He could step in if there's an injury where he goes or if he's just the lead guy off the bat and be effective year one and two. So I don't think it's a tough decision for me uh, when it comes to that, but I think I'll be able to get wearing much later. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So, okay, I keep saying last question. This is what I promise will be the last question. Uh, which tight end do you think you'll end up with the most shares of just based on you wanting to make sure that you try and go out and get them, whether it's someone you can grab early or like you were just talking about Sal Waring that you can get really late? Who's that one tight end you're going to have a lot of shares of that you don't think other people will? Hmm. Much like all my Michael Roberts shares that Dennis could attest to, but haven't ever haven't come through for the Detroit Lions. But but Roberts is another guy who eight, what do you have sixty eighteen touchdowns in a senior season, I, I, and I just don't think Detroit uses them properly. But um, probably guys like Waring and Knox and and Oliver, guys like that. Those are the guys in that little area that are raw guys that I don't think other people have as high up as I do. So I think that I'm going to get them at such a good value that those three guys are, are going to be on my rosters. For me, it's going to be Donald Parham because nobody else seems to know who the hell he is. <laughs> if now, he gets drafted, if he gets drafted, he's going to be the guy I have. No, I know, I know who he is. There was actually, I can't remember what pod I was listening to today, but someone was actually talking about him and how they thought that he might be someone. So you're not the only one. There's at least one other person out there who knows who he is. So. Right on, right on. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it's going to be Sternberger. He's a guy I'm hoping I can get uh, pretty much everywhere because, again, as I've talked about this whole time, I'm much as it seems like Sal is as well, which is nice to see because I don't see a whole lot of other people talking about him. They, they have him in like the five or back range where they don't talk about him as lovingly as me and Sal have. So he's someone I'm definitely going to be trying to get in every rookie draft that I'm in. So Sal... Thank you so much for joining me and Dennis today. We really appreciate it. Thank you again for, for pushing your time back as well uh, to make this happen for me since I had some stuff going on. I really do appreciate it. Before we get out of here, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter, uh, where they can find your podcast, if you have any kind of articles or anything coming out that all of our listeners can go look at. 
Yeah, first, thank you guys for inviting me, and always family over fantasy. Remember that, so no problem about pushing back the time. Uh, S-A-L-L-E-T-O-F-F, Salito F-F, on Twitter. That's where you'll find me most of the time. Uh, of course, Fantasy Football Funhouse is available everywhere you get podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how to find podcasts, and our show is there. We've been light in the off season just because I was really burned out after last season. Um uh, not writing right now. I'll probably pick up after the NFL draft and uh, hoping to be back doing what I was doing last year for Fanball, which was a lot of fun and uh, was really nice to be writing for a legitimate site. So those are the places you can find me. But, uh, you know, stop out of Twitter. I'll insult you. People seem to like that type of thing. <laughs> Go figure. Well, I guess it's a good thing we weren't following each other before my really hot uh, Ronald Jones takes last year because I feel like you probably would have burned me down pretty bad then. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yeah. Dennis, Dennis gets his uh, weekly or not even weekly his his daily Ronald Jones shot in me most of the time. So I, it, I appreciate it. It has been two or three shows since I've taken a Ronald Jones no, shot. I at feel you. like we talked about him just go. No, that's right. It was it was a. Uh, it was uh, Brandon burning down my my uh, friendship with Akeem Butler in the last episode, so you're right. I do apologize about that. Dennis, where can we obviously find you on Twitter and everything you've got coming up? Well, I am a culture underscore coach on Twitter. Feel free to reach out and ask me any question. Uh, shoot me a DM if, you're in, if you've got something and you don't want to post it publicly there. I'm more than happy to answer. Uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com. Uh, I've got an article coming out here, uh, trying to squeeze two before the draft, uh, ideal landing spots for tight ends and ideal landing spots for quarterbacks. I'm debating if I'm just going to go with the top three in each and combine it into one big article or stay with four or five of each and make it two articles. But uh, I guess I'll have to talk to the editor about that one. Well, again, thank you both so much for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you guys again, especially after the draft next week. Have yourselves a good weekend. OH. I.O. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone! Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!